Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Honestly, Mike, right now, Jay Gruden is thanking his lucky stars. He does not have to be the head coach anymore of the Washington Redskins. It's not often you get fired and you say, oh, thank you so much. But I think in this instance, Jay's saying, all right, great. No more I have to manage this mess. Bill Callahan is the offensive line coach, and he is the interim coach now in Washington. They're not going to turn this thing around this season. But first and foremost, if you're Jay Gruden, are you thanking your lucky stars or what? I mean, Jay Gruden is like the kid who comes home from college and he sleeps till like two o'clock every day and his parents are like, are you ever going to get up? I mean, like, I don't think Jay Gruden's been up before noon since he got fired. Like, I think he's been sleeping in, you know, I don't think he's changed. I think he's been in pajamas the whole time. Like Oscar Madison, he comes out, has something to eat, goes back. And, oh, I found a tuna fish sandwich in my bed. You know, it's like, I think he's the happiest guy in America. I, I can't imagine anybody happier than Jay Gruden. I get five, only in America, I'm going to get $5 million and lay on my ass. It's a good life. There's no question about it. And right now, Washington is such a mess. I mean, you look at every single part of this team, and I think you and I felt like this team going into the season was not going to be a playoff team, but I think we had a maybe four wins, maybe six wins. We didn't think they'd be one of the worst teams in football. And Bill Callahan's obviously not going to solve it. You are big on talking about culture. Check out Gridiron Genius, Mike's book, now available in paperback. And over and over, you talk about the culture of a winning team and how culture is critical. There's an absence of culture in Washington. And so I feel like they haven't even hit rock bottom yet. Like They've still got more no. to go before they hit the bottom. But the bigger absence in Washington is honesty, right? So you know, George Will once time called Momar Gaddafi a paid liar, right? Which yeah. is one of the greatest nicknames of all time. Well, the president of the team of the Redskins is a paid liar because he got out there and he just lied. You know, our culture is really good. Seriously, your culture is good. Get out of here. You know, I mean, I've talked to more people in that organization in the last three days, surprisingly, right? And they all tell me they've been to bad places, but this might be the worst they've ever been to, right? One coach on the staff said, that I've been to a lot of bad places. This is the worst I've ever been. And secondly, you know, th this whole Haskins conversation, and I know you're a Haskins fan, and I think Haskins hasn't been handled correctly, but what you hear on Haskins from the people in the building is really disturbing in the sense that he feels entitled. He doesn't work very hard. He doesn't listen to anybody. You know, he feels like he should just be given the job, and he feels like he is endeared from the ownership down, which is really the biggest problem because he's like the three-car garage kid who's been spoiled his whole life. Like, I'm entitled to this, right? I'm entitled to this. There's no, I don't have to earn this. And just hearing the conversations, and, and, and I will say this for anybody that thinks they have a good culture, the person that I was talking to, said that this doesn't just apply to coaching. This culture has, is all the way through the entire organization. It permeates in every aspect, whether it's operations, personnel, the work ethic, all that. And and when the president got up there and started talking about how great, he's lying through his teeth. I mean, he's lying. And, you know, whether it's Scott Van Pelt, Ryan Clark, whomever, the talking heads, everybody can see it. And I think the biggest the biggest sin of all is they lie to themselves. Yeah, you wrote about in the book that uh, Bill Walsh used to always take the line from Peter Drucker, the famous management expert, culture can eat strategy for lunch. And one of the standards of performance is 
you know, take pride in my effort as an entity separate from the result of that effort. And here's one. And you're right. I do like Haskins. I liked him coming out of Ohio State. I would have drafted him if I was the Giants ahead of Daniel Jones. But this is concerning for me with regards to what you said about Haskins. Honor the direct connection between details and improvement. Relentlessly seek the latter. It's like this team doesn't understand how to get better, and it's you know the devil's in the details, as one would say. Right, and I think no one's showed Haskins what it takes. I mean, first of all, you can't just come in and say, okay, you're talented. This is, this is the variance in the NFL. This is truly the variance in the NFL, which is people that understand talent and know the right role. I've watched this Clive Davis thing, and I recommend anybody who's hiring people in America, watch this Clive Davis. Netflix documentary, right? I heard raves about it. And it's unbelievable. Here's this Jewish white man who was never trained musically, who was a lawyer, lost his parents early in life, and all of a sudden he gets a law law job at a record company, and then he moves up in the record company, and all of a sudden he has like this unbelievable instinct for matching talent to music. And the essence of the show, the essence of the show is very NFL-ish in this sense. It is he understood that if I got the right song for the right artist, I could make a star. He got that. And it's the same thing with Dwayne Haskins. If I could get the right offense for this player, I might be able to make him a star, assuming I can teach him and he's willing to take all the things off the field. This is the variance in the NFL. This is why Belichick's got 79 wins over five years, because he's Clive Davis. He can see John Simon. He can see some other player and fit him into what he wants to do. And all of a sudden, you know, he's got these great stars. And whether he's at Columbia, whether he goes to Arista, whether he starts something else, it doesn't really matter because he has this instinct of, okay, I'm going to take Rod Stewart. And if I put together a bunch of whole classics, everyone turned it down and I'll put it into Berghoff stores. I'll put it into Sack stores. I'll put his music and women shopping will be listening to Rod Stewart sing classics. All of a sudden, I've got hits. And that's what he did. And it's the same thing with football. It's the same thing. We'll talk about Baker Mayfield in the next se- – but Baker Mayfield's the same way. I mean, they don't really have the right system for Baker Mayfield. And the people that get it, like Clive Davis, they're the ones who reach the pinnacle of the success. Well, our producer Joe's a huge fan of Downtown Train. So, I mean, you're singing to the gospel right now. Uh, who is now in the hot seat, Mike? I, we hate to speculate. We don't want people to lose their jobs, of course. But, you know, part of the league here is, you know, who's up, who's down, who's going to get the hot seat next? Who do you think now? Because Jay Gruden, I feel like well, you were calling that from week one that this guy was on the hot seat and, and probably want to get out of there. Who do you think right now is coaching for their job? Oh, I think Dan Quinn's coaching for his job. I mean, first of all, the, the Atlanta Falcons are not talented at all. This whole notion that we're, we're really set, they, they, the team that lies to themselves probably more than any team of the Atlanta Falcons. They've caught this mythology, and they have they have a great PR campaign down there. They can do it. I mean, they could win the Southern primaries. I mean, they're tremendously always. They have great drafts. They have great talent. You know, their offensive line. They have depth. I mean, this Atlanta team's comical because you know they're, they're built on being able to rush the passer, and they have five sacks. Right. They can't do anything, and so I think Dan Quinn's fighting for his job. And when you listen to Deshaun Watson critique the Atlanta Falcon defense, about how they zone drop, which is true, about how there's no attention to detail. They all run past the quarterback in their defensive line. I mean, the talent level's not very good, and Dan's trying to coach a defense that can't really slow anybody down. There's guys wide-ass open all over the place, and so there's a lot of holes in that boat, and they're just going to keep manifesting themselves. I think he's really on a hot, hot seat, and he knows it. I mean, he, he really knows it. A lot of teams wanted Muhammad Sanu, figuring that they would trade him, figuring he's making too much money. He wanted to hang on to him because he knew this was his year to win. 
And I think he's really fighting for his job. We continue our Make Me Smarter here on the GM Shuffle. By the way, you can always email us, the GM Shuffle at gmail.com, and go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review. The continuation, as I mentioned, of the Make Me Smarter segment brings us to Minshew Mania. Seriously, how do you figure this out if you're the Jaguars? Nick Foles broke his clavicle week one against the Chiefs, 10th play of the game. They rule him out. Gardner Minshew comes in, came from Washington State, and he can light it up. And Minshew Mania is now on board. He's 2-2 two and two as a starter. Could easily be 4-0. and oh. And now what the hell are the Jaguars are going to do once Foles is healthy? I, I'm a big believer, Mike, in that you should never lose your job due to injury. But I'm also a huge believer in Gardner Minshew right now. How on earth could you bench this guy if he's playing this well? You can't, and I think the way the teams responded to him, and I and I, look, I've been critical of John D. Filippo in the past, but I give them a tremendous amount of credit. I mean, they realized that Minshew can't carry the burden, can't run the same offense that Nick Foles ran. This is a little Clive Davis this year, right? So, so Minshew has to be in two backs, and Leonard Fournette has to be with a fullback or a lead blocker because Leonard Fournette is what we call a point of entry back. Somebody needs to feed him into the point of entry of the hole. So when he can get into the hole clean, now all of a sudden this big man is going to be a problem for you to tackle and keep him from gaining four yards. But what happens when he's in shotgun, point of entry is a little bit, he gets disturbed. He has to rely on his lateral quickness to move, and that doesn't allow him to be effective. He's a point of entry back, and when you're in two backs, point of entry is a lot cleaner. Now, Minshew, how about this for numbers? Minshew is 12 for 15 for 80%, 17 yards completion, two touchdowns when they're in two receivers on the field. Most people in the NFL and most commenters believe that short quarterbacks like Minshew and Baker Mayfield, they need to be in shotgun all the time. No, no, stop, stop. Not so fast, Lee Corso. No, they need to be in a regular offense. Here's the difference. People say, well, why does Russell Wilson and why do Drew Brees successful? We had that conversation, right? Well, Drew Brees was playing Roger Federer, I think, in high school in tennis, right? So he's an elite athlete, right? When you look at Russell Wilson played baseball, he's an elite athlete. I mean, he could have gone and played for the Yankees. I mean, he's those two are elite athletes. Minshew and Baker Mayfield are not elite athletes. They're not elite. I mean, Baker was having a hard time getting a scholarship, right? So how do you benefit and give Baker the best ability to play or Minshew because of their height deficiencies? Put them under center. Think about it. The Saints are under center quite a bit. Breeze. Seattle's under center quite a bit. Why? Because they need to separate the defense because it helps them see. When you're in shotgun all the time, it's harder to see because the defense is rushing you. So for me, I think what Jacksonville's been able to do is go to a more conventional offense it benefits Fournette, and it really benefits Minshew, and I think they need to stay this way because it benefits their team overall. If they go back to Foles, they got to go back to a shotgun formation. they got to go back to spread. It exposes their offensive line. I mean, Andrew Norvell almost got, a, got Minshew killed last week, the left guard. So it exposes their offensive line, and it won't work. And I think that that's just much a better play. And that's where Clive Davis' genius made money. And that's where most coaches don't understand it. you got to figure out what works for the best players and give Jacksonville credit they have. And so for now, Gardner Minshew is the quarterback. And for Nick Foles, I'm assuming, Mike, you keep him there, right? Obviously, you just yeah. signed this guy to this big free agent contract. Don't trade him right away. See how Minshew does. Play the year out. Hopefully, Minshew stays upright. Maybe you surprise some teams. Sneak into the playoffs, et cetera. And then in the offseason, you evaluate your quarterbacks and go from there. And then perhaps you trade Nick Foles, right? No doubt. I think you, the best thing you can do is nothing right now. 
the best thing you need to do is get you get need to get Jalen Ramsey on board. And you can feel the team. I mean, I know they lost to Carolina last week, but they were in every second of that game. And 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 you can feel the team's passion. You can feel the team rallying around their quarterback. Look, I've said this very often on the shuffle that you, the quarterbacks have to give the team the personality. And if the quarterback doesn't have any personality, it's hard to get an identity with the team. Denver doesn't have an identity because Flacco has no personality within the team. He just never brings one. He, it's not who he is. You know, when we had Vinny Testaverde at the Browns, Vinny wasn't like that. Vinny was a good player, but he wasn't a great leader. Some guys can do that, and Minshew can rally the troops. And I think he's played really well. He's handled the blitz. I mean, he's 27 for 42 against when people pressure him. Nine yards an attempt. No interceptions, two touchdowns. I mean, that's pretty damn good. That's really good. His interceptions come when he's in shotgun. I think what they've done in Jacksonville, now they've got to get better on defense. They need Jalen Ramsey back. They need to play to the level of defense that they're capable of. And I'm not sure that this Pete Carroll style of defense can operate in the NFL successfully anymore because the teams that are running it are getting gashed in the run game, even though they're in an eight-man front. Since you mentioned Baker Mayfield, we'll just quickly touch on hashtag Dapgate and the fact that 49ers cornerback Richard Sherman said that now he regrets the controversy surrounding him and Baker Mayfield. Sherman created a stir when he told NFL.com columnist Michael Silver that Mayfield did not shake his hand before the coin toss and all of a sudden Mike like the Zapruder film we have video surfacing showing Mayfield slapping hands of Sherman before the coin toss then running to the sideline Sherman acknowledged that the initial shake on Twitter did occur and offered me a call but this is how stupid the world is now this is what's being dissected it's unbelievable. When we should be focusing on Baker Mayfield needs to be under center. We need to stop this nonsense. The, the, the Browns need to go back to a two-back set. They need to be able to run chub. They need a ton of play-action passes. They need to be able to get back into what they do. They need to stop trying to be different. And I have no idea why they didn't cut Antonio Callaway this week. I don't give. Freddie Kitchens came out and said he's our best player. If he's your best player, Freddie, you're in a lot of trouble. Right. If he's your best player, you're a lot of trouble because Monday night he ran the wrong way on the reverse. He lined up, cost you a timeout. And oh, by the way, he dropped the pass at the goal line. The kid was never ready to play. Like I got a text from somebody in the league after he dropped it because I've been all over Callaway. Like to me, Callaway's a waste of time. Callaway cares less about football than anybody. He's just taking the paycheck. This is exactly why Dorsey has a hard time building a team because he takes all these guys that really that are talented in workouts, but they don't play talented on the field. And when you tolerate that, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. What they need to do is they need to get back to a real conventional offense. And then I think Baker Mayfield, I don't care what Colin Coward's killing the kid, I wouldn't kill Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield needs to play in a more conventional style of offense and go in a shotgun on third down and try to do some of those things because he can't see right now. He's playing at a level that's going to get him run out of the league if they keep going down this direction. Yeah, you're right. Colin was having a field day. I mean, that was like red meat to a shark because Baker Mayfield, you know, didn't like Cowherd's criticism of him. So you're right. I mean, this is like revenge, you know, for the talking heads all of a sudden when things work out. And Baker Mayfield right now, if you're not a fan of his, uh, he's getting beat up pretty good because obviously the Browns, I mean, that performance on Monday night, just dreadful all the way around. Continuing our Make Me Smarter segment, the Chiefs are the Rockets. Hang on a second. Earlier this year, the Wall Street Journal publishing an article saying the Kansas City Chiefs are football's Golden State Warriors, in which they argued the Warriors changed basketball with Steph Curry in the three-point line. The Chiefs of Patrick Mahomes are exploiting football's passing boom unlike anybody else. I can see the connection here. Obviously, I mean, two prolific offenses and definitely very evolutionary. And if you can't beat it, join them. And there's been lots of imitators when it comes to Golden State and basketball and definitely now with football. I'm just trying to find the next Patrick Mahomes. But, Mike, you don't think the connection is perfect. Which team do you think the NBA uh, can combine the Chiefs with? 
Well, first of all, the Warriors are set. Their defense is incredible. They got all pro defensive players on their team, and the Chiefs have none of those, right? So they're not. They're the Houston. The Chiefs are not the Golden State Warriors. They're the Houston Rockets. They can't. They're not a great defensive team. And when you look at it, the Chiefs do nothing. To, and this is the perfect example of trying to explain complementary football to people. This is the perfect example of it. The Chiefs' defense has averaged thirty-two minutes per game. They're not good enough. And the last two home games, they the offense has played twenty-five minutes on the field. So my point here is when your defense is this bad, and they're really, really bad, I mean, they are really bad, they can't stop the run, they can't hold up against, they can't really cover anybody, when you let them play 35 minutes, you're going to lose. So if it's great that you can score, but the other team can score too, right? And if you let the other team have the ball 35 minutes and you only have it 25 minutes, you better be really, really prolific, and you can't miss a pass, you can't do anything. I think they are more of the Houston Rockets. I think that if you want to play a tempo game with them, go ahead. But if you play control football and you make that defense stay on the field, they can't. They've allowed 383 yards rushing in the last two games at home. Now, that's Moscow Square there. Those fans are loud, right? Teams have run for 383 yards against them with this new defense that we're convinced a bit. To me, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm in my office and I'm saying to all my coaches, look, fellas, we got to slow this down a little bit. We're going to score, right? We're going to score. There's no doubt we're going to move the football, but we can't have our defense on the field. And Steve Spagnuolo's got to walk in Andy Reid's office and say, Andy, I love you, but if you keep making me play 34 minutes a night, we're going to be 10-6. and six. We're going to lose games we shouldn't lose. Yeah, Spagnuolo led that Giants defense, of course, years ago when they won that Super Bowl. He's been a coordinator for a lot of years, uh, time with the Eagles as well. So you're right. There's only so much uh, a guy like Spags can do. But it is interesting, like you said, that Chiefs team. Here's another reason you can't compare them to the Warriors. The Warriors have won. All right, the Chiefs haven't won a Super Bowl yet. You can't compare right. them to the War. The Warriors are, you know, a modern day dynasty in the NBA Finals. You know, four straight years, etc. And you're right, defense a hallmark of that team. Whether it's Iguodala or Draymond Green, the Chiefs still have to win one to finally break through. Coming up next, Seattle's Russell Wilson and Carolina's Christian McCaffrey, both early MVP contenders. Mike and I discussed their respective matchups on Sunday. Tell you which games will cover the spread after the break. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. 
All right, now it's time to talk some games, all right? Enough topics. Let's get into the games. And by the way, Mr. Lombardi, 15-6 and six against the spread. That's right, 15-6 and six gamblers. So go ahead, put your money down. Seattle and Cleveland. Seahawks are 4-1. Browns are 2-3. and three. The line with Seattle, minus one, moving to two. Feels like a must-win game here for Baker Mayfield. The guy's just got to complete more passes. 55% completions is not nearly good enough. And Russell Wilson's putting together an MVP season. 12 touchdowns, zero picks, 73.1% career passing, 64 4.6 right now. The numbers are outstanding so far for Russell Wilson, Mike. Yeah, everything tells you that this is Russell Wilson's game. I mean, I know Denzel Ward and, and Greedy Williams are questionable going into the game, and, and, and they may play, they may not. But when you look at this, you realize Baker Mayfield's had 35 passes batted down, not at the line necessarily, but the defense has gotten their hands on 35 of his passes. 35. That's seven per game. You know, Patrick Mahomes, is. you've only gotten their hands on eight of his passes. So you're going to have to fix this problem uh, for whatever reason. And the numbers don't really support me here, but I just think the Browns, after being embarrassed on Monday night, will focus. And I think they'll come back, and I think you can move the football on Seattle. Seattle is not a, has they've given up a ton of yards last week. Their run defense, 400 yards in the past five games. You know, both the Rams and Cincinnati pass numbers were really good against them. And Seattle's, you know, Seattle's been able to allow teams to move the football on them. So, you know, the thing that's different about this Seattle team than most is the fact of how they're playing in the fourth quarter. When they were great, and I remember getting ready for them in the Super Bowl, and in my notes I talked about we got to win the fourth quarter against this team because the fourth quarter, that's where they were really good. In 13, they were the fourth best team in the fourth quarter. In 14, they were the second best team. In 15, they slipped to 12th. This year, they're fourth in point differential in the fourth quarter. They get stronger as the game goes on. That's a Pete Carroll signature. I'm going to reluctantly take the Brown and the points here. <laughs> yeah, they're right. The numbers don't. I know it makes no sense. Yeah, the numbers do not support you, Mike. Browns are 23rd on offense. They're 20th in passing, 18.4 points per game. But maybe expect the unexpected. So I see where you're going with this. The Browns. I mean, certainly they're uh, they're going to be a hungry team. They know they got to win, especially after that embarrassment of Monday Night Football. Next game: Carolina at Tampa Bay. Panthers are three and two. The Buccaneers are two and three. Christian McCaffrey has been sensational so far this season for the Panthers. They're reborn now. The new quarterback. Do you think Carolina keeps it rolling against the Bucks? Yeah, I do. I, I do. But I think what Carolina has to be really concerned about, A.D., is the fact that McCafferty is on a streak. I mean, it's unbelievable how much they're carrying him, the football. I mean, he's been on pace to carry it over 300 times. Not sustainable, right? So they give him a rest this week. Last time they played him, he didn't run the football very effectively. That's got to change. I think they will change this. I think the fact that Cam was playing in the last game gave Tampa a true advantage. And when you watch Tampa play against New Orleans, I mean, my man Jameis threw it to, t- to New Orleans twice for interceptions, legitimate interceptions, and the penalties on the on the Saints called them back. So I, I really like the Panthers in this game. I think Kyle Allen, if he can protect the football, I think this offense is way better now than it was when they met the first time in Week 2 on the short week. I think that D.J. Moore's been outstanding. McCaffrey's unbelievable in the passing game. I mean, he's unbelievable in the passing game, and he can do things in space. There's no doubt. I mean, he's on a pace. He's like Camaro. They're unbelievable. The question is, can they cover these receivers? I think they got embarrassed last week. And when you look at Arians over his career, he typically never dominates the team twice, right? So it's Seattle in his career when he was in Arizona, he was 4-5-1. and one. Against the Rams, he's 5-5. Five and five. The only team he dominated were the 49ers at 7-3. and three. I think they'll get the split, and I think Carolina wins. Yeah, it's interesting right now as far as the spread is concerned because it opened Tampa Bay minus 1, moved to Carolina minus 2. 
And, uh, I mean, McCaffrey's number, he's on pace, as you said, to carry it over 300 times. Kyle Allen, just two plays of over 25 yards, six fumbles in three games. Could be an ugly game uh, in terms of where these two teams are matching up, but you'll see. Carolina, like you said, you're going to have them in this one. Meantime, the Eagles are taking on the Vikings. Philadelphia 3-2 and two as they dismantle the New York Jets, taking on another 3-2 and two team in the Minnesota Vikings. There's been much consternation, Mike, as far as the Eagles receivers are concerned. Uh, Darren Sproles is out. Deshaun Jackson is still doubtful. Uh, but I know we've talked before with the Eagles' pass rush. That's also a concern as well. I mean, they've got to get guys to obviously put more pressure on the quarterback. And in this case, that health of the Eagles' defensive front, no Jackson. They're the worst team in allowing points on the first possession of the game. Those early bad starts are killing them. They're killing them. They play from behind. And Wentz, and the lack of receivers, Wentz is down a full yard from a year ago in his yards per attempt. 7-7 seven, seven last year. He's 6-6 six, six this year. That's really not good enough. But I think the Eagles, with the extra week off, I think the Eagles can – match up to them, and I think the Eagles' defense has to play much better, and they've got to pressure and take advantage of a bad offensive line for Minnesota. I know Minnesota's playing home, and when you look at Cousins' home-and-away numbers, he's significantly better at home. And Dalvin Cook, but Dalvin Cook likes to run the ball outside, and the Eagles' defense doesn't allow you to run the ball outside. I think the Eagles will move the ball in this game. I think Wentz will probably have his best game of the year. I like the Eagles, and I'll take the points here. I think it'll be a great game. I think it'll be a close game. I wish this was in the 4 o'clock window, you know, so we could watch this game instead of having all the 1 o'clock games. But I like this game. I like the Eagles and the points. Eagles only one sack in their last game. And as you mentioned, the Vikings' vulnerable offensive line. Um, also, another couple stats here with the Eagles. 30th in drop passes, 29th in first down efficiency. Got to do better when it comes to those situations. However, they are very good on third down, second best third down team. So maybe if they can uh, reverse that trend, be a little better on first down. Don't have to worry about being so good on third down, and they can pull off the victory here. The line did open at minus three. Minnesota has not moved. New Orleans Saints at Jacksonville. The Saints are 4-1. and one. Jacksonville is 2-3. and three. You feel like Jacksonville's on the rise a little bit. Can Minshew Mania continue at home against that Saints defense? You know, I think the Saints have played really well, and I think Teddy Bridgewater's coming off his best game. I think I just think, to me, Jacksonville's starting to play really good. I think they're hitting their stride. I think fundamentally they're playing much better. They're running the football at, at a way to where they can run the ball more effectively with Fournette because they actually have a better player there. And I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew here. I think DJ Chark, he, he's way better than I thought he was coming out. I thought he was a one-route runner, just a vertical out down the field. But he and Minshew have chemistry. And I think they've got it. Their defense has got to play. They've only forced one turnover in two home games all all season. They've only had two. And so they've got to be able to do this. And they've won the two home games is when they hold their opponent under 100 yards rushing. They've got to do that. And I think they can. I think their defense has got to play better. I like Minshew. I, I, I'm buying Minshew. I'm all in on Minshew. I'm moving my chips to the middle of the table. All right, we're going to get shirts made up of the shufflers. We're also going to get uh, a Minshew extra large for Lombardi. Get that jersey sent out. <laughs> We'll tweet that picture out. By the way, the line shifted back to the Jags minus one. And here's something else for the Saints. Dangerous on offense, but they control the ball 31 minutes, 34 seconds. Average of 28-26 of defense. That just goes to your point, Mike, always mentioning how you want to keep your defense off the field. So in terms of possession and ball control, New Orleans has done a good job of that. Yeah, it's, it's all about complementary football. It's all about how do you handle that. And two things tell you that. So you want time possession. The other thing is you have to look at Parcells was a big believer in rushes and completions. So what Parcells would do, and you can do, and you, they did do it now for you, is you look at the rushes, you add your rushes and your completions together. And if you get over 52, that tells you not that you're going to win the game. That tells you as a coach that your execution is pretty good. 
You're executing. Now, that doesn't mean you're winning. That means you're executing. The Browns, for example, are 31st in the league in, in rushes and completions. That, their execution isn't very good. That's their problem. Their problem is not they need more plays. Their problem is they need to run the plays better. Jacksonville's improved their, their runs and catches together, and execution's getting better. And when I see teams on the rise like that, I think that that's a good sign. The Saints are always good in those areas because, obviously, Peyton been with Parcells. He emphasizes the execution of the game. A couple more games to go. San Francisco 49ers, they are 4-0, taking on the Rams at 3-2. and uh, Obviously, the Rams 3-1 and versus San Francisco. The one game did not matter. But overall, this feels like a must-win for the Rams, Mike. They can't be 3-3 three and three behind the 49ers in Seattle and San Francisco. I mean, they kicked the crap out of Cleveland on Monday night. Can they do so again, this time on the road against McVay and company? Yeah, I think this is a hard game for San Francisco. It's a short week. Now, look, they, they've moved the ball. Both teams have moved the ball on one another. I think there's no doubt that Sean McVay knows how to attack this 49er scheme really well. But when you break this down, I think the area that I'm most concerned about is two injuries. McClinchy, the right tackle's out. So is Joe Staley. So now you have two backup tackles. That's never good when you're going against a team that, even though Clay Matthews isn't going to play, Fowler can rush. I mean, they're going to rush against bad tackles. Now, Kyle Shanahan likes to get the ball and run it, and so it's more play action. But to me, this is a game where the Rams have to have it. Like you said, I mean, when you look at their schedule going down, they've got still have to play Chicago, Baltimore, Seattle. They've got to go to Dallas. I mean, they've got some hard games. And we talked about it on the shuffle last week. Somebody's going to be left without a chair in the playoff pitcher in the NFC. Somebody is. And you can't go 3-3 three and three and think you're going to get it back together again. I know Gurley's not healthy. I don't think anybody needs to prove to me that he's not healthy. I think they've got to find a different way to run the football. You know, he's only had – how about this, A.D.? He's only had six 10-yard runs all year, two in the last two games. Think about that. And here's where the Rams are really bad. They're 45 for 179 on first down with a long of 20, 20. They're not winning first down like they used to. Also, another thought here with the Rams in terms of running game, they have not run for 100 yards the last three weeks. I mean, and as far as being tested by opposing quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield. Not exactly murderer's row in terms of what the 49ers defense has had to face. The line open at the Rams minus three. 50 and a half is the over, by the way. And then that moves us to the toilet bowl. I love that we're discussing the Redskins at 0-4 now without Jay Gruden, who's been freed like Andy Dufresne and Shawshank. Taking on a Dolphins team that is sleeping in. Yeah, exactly, sleeping in. Redskins and Dolphins, two 0-4 teams. I mean, we love football. Football is the best, but God help you if you're fired up for Washington and Miami. But I want to hear your pick on this one. Oh, well, Millie's at this game. She's, I mean, trust me, she's at this game rooting on for, you know, this is awesome. Look, I think the Redskins, Bill Callahan came out this week and he said, look, they, they ran sprints. They worked on situational football. I mean, I love Bill Callahan as a coach. I really do. I think that you can just reading the Washington Post, you can see he understands that there's a lot of work to do. When you take over as an interim, you're just not going to get everything done. I mean, the reason you're the interim coach is because there's a lot of things that are messed up. And we've talked about Washington at the beginning of this. I think this is Miami's best chance to win a game this year. I really do. I think the fact is that the Redskins are not in great shape and they'll melt in the heat. Look, if you go back over the, the skins going back to 2012, I think the last 10 years, they're 3-7 and seven in games played over 81 degrees. And one of those games was last year in Tampa, which they had no business winning. I think they'll melt in the heat. I think this is a game Miami can win. Dolphins could get their first victory of the season. I mean, come on. Say hallelujah right now for this Dolphins team. I think the question we have to ask and have to start investigating as we go into the month of November is how good is Tui? And is he worth the first pick in the draft? 
Like when you look at Daniel Jones, you say to yourself, yeah, he's a really good quarterback, but is he elite? Is he a blue chip quarterback? See, this is the hardest thing to do in sports is to find what's good as to great, right? Is What's the difference between good and great? And if you pick the good quarterback sixth overall, is Tui a great quarterback? I'm not sure he's great. Like I talked to a scout this week who's like, and he said, can you imagine losing for Tui? Like, the word on the street is maybe Tui's not as good as people think he is. Maybe he's a system quarterback. Oh, that's interesting. You know? Because Tua Tungavailoa, you're right. People have been licking their chops, and that's been the whole talk in Miami. It's been tank for Tua, and I'm with you on Daniel Jones. I don't think he's ever going to be a great quarterback. He'll never justify the fact he was sixth overall. I, I don't think I, – I don't see it. I mean, I look, the last two weeks for Daniel Jones, now he plays tonight against – you know, first of all, tonight's weather – is going to be atrocious. So if you if you're thinking about anything tonight, betting bet the under. If you're listening to this, mm-hmm. you know, and I would take the Patriots in the points because I don't think the Giants, without all any of their skill players, are going to be able to match up against this really good Patriot defense. But I just think Daniel Jones is is the last two weeks when you watch him, he struggled to really play faster. He's got a good arm, he's accurate, but how fast can he play? I think he's a good player. I think if you drafted Daniel Jones in the second round, you'd be delighted. But is Daniel Jones a third-round pick like Russell Wilson that comes in and just electrifies you? Actually, let me ask you this question. Gardner Minshew or Daniel Jones, who do you want? I take Gardner Minshew. I think he's got me more too. talent. He's got a big arm. He's got a little more moxie. I think he does. I think he does. And look, don't tell me, well, Minshew's playing behind. No, no, Minshew's not playing behind any great team. I mean, you go stand behind Andrew Norvell and think you're going to get blocked. I mean, he almost got decapitated by him, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to, well, you know, and he's got DJ Chark. Tell me who the skill players are for Jacksonville. Like the, it's fairly similar, you know, and now he doesn't have Barkley. They have yeah. Fournette running the ball, but Fournette, until they changed their offense, Fournette wasn't running. I think that's the fundamental question. And we're only going to answer that question about Tui when he plays against really good teams. Email us. You think Tua Tungavailoa is worth it? The GM shuffle at gmail.com. Coming up next. Gronk going to make his debut as a Fox analyst. Is he the next Tony Romo? Find out what we think after this. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures market, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New Customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Joe, what's our question of the week? So Rob Gronkowski was hired by Fox to be a football analyst for the network. And when he retired, a lot of people thought that he actually wasn't done playing professional football. Two-part question for you guys. Did you think he was serious when he announced his retirement? And more importantly, do you think he has a future as an analyst with Fox? I think he was serious. I think he's been beat up. I think he has aspirations of being The Rock and being a movie star and all those other good things. He's won enough rings. He's made enough money. So why not just move on? And yeah, I actually think he could be a pretty good analyst. I think he's always been funny. He's outspoken. He's a character. As Mike knows, when it comes to TV, it's all about saying your opinion. So Gronk's going to have to have a strong opinion, say what he feels. Don't feel like I'm going to go back in the field someday. I can't lambaste some guys. If he's going to be honest and uh, be smart like Tony Romo, I mean, I think Gronk's actually going to be pretty entertaining. I, I think that you got to be careful. You can't expect him to just have a lampshade on his head for three hours. But if you expect a guy who's fun and is willing to speak his mind, then I think Gronk could be the guy. Yeah, I look Gronk's. There's two Gronks, right? There's Gronk that the people know from the the theatrics, and then there's Gronk who's way smarter than he pretends he is. And I think the way smarter Gronk's going to come out on TV with a little bit of fun, and you know he's been in enough Belichick's meetings that he's heard the the key parts of what football is, and he'll be able to express those to the fans. So I think he'll do a good job. I don't think he's ever coming back. I, I think that's it. I think his body, he, he's he wants to be able to enjoy life, and he can make money, and he can become the Rock. I uh, also got this from the GM Shuffle mailbag. As always, the GM Shuffle at gmail.com. AV and Mike, what's the best strategy when you're down 10 with under four minutes left? When do you go for the early field goal? When do you risk giving the ball back? This is Mike in San Francisco. Well, I think, you know, to me, you've got to go for the field goal. You've got, if you've got three timeouts left, right, you want to be able to cut this game down to where it's before the two minute warning. So you add that you get up a fourth timeout, right? But you got to be able to make the field goal. The best, one of the best times I've ever learned this was we were playing, New England was playing Cleveland. I was at Cleveland. It was Cleveland's last playoff win, 1994. We're up by 10 and the Patriots are driving the ball down the field. And Parcells walks over to, to Matt Barr and says, can you make this field goal? And Barr never answers him. And Parcells just walks away and they go for it on fourth and two and they get it. And then about a minute later, they get it closer and they go out and kick the field goal. And then they do the onside kick. And that's when the game kind of, that's when we change the onside kick rule. So I think you've got to be able to get to a position where it's not you're attempting the field goal. Remember, there's two different things, attempting and making. This is what screws up at the end of the game. Most of the announcers say, well, they're in field goal range. No, no, I don't want to be in field goal range. I want to be in make field goal range. That's how I win the game. Right. I don't want to attempt the field goal. I want to make the field goal. And so when you know you can make the field goal and if it's before the two minute, do it. If you can't make the field goal, you just got to keep going for it on fourth down and you got to make it make as much as you can and take the game out of it and keep your timeouts. Because, you know, this it's harder to score seven than it is three. But if you have timeouts, you can score seven no matter where you are. Yeah, you always hear that expression. It's a two-possession game. Got to get some points on the board and then try to get the touchdown when you need it most. A couple of college football games. Mike, before we close up shop, which ones are you focused on? 
when I look at the lines, the betters have really focused on the, the Oklahoma-Texas game, which is a great Mike Leach story about Duplin. Now, when I was out at Washington State this year, he told the story about how he planted a fake script. He was teaching it to this class and how he faked put a fake script, but he didn't make it so fake that they were going to realize after one play it was fake. Like, he lured them into this trap. It was really brilliant. But the Red River Classic, I think, will be a great game. I, I, I like Oklahoma. Texas is always good as an underdog. People love to take Texas in the points and Tom Herman. I think Penn State, Iowa is going to be a great game. I think Iowa playing at home is way different than Iowa on the road. And I'm anxious to see LSU-Florida because I want to see Joe Burrows play against a better defense than he's played against so far this year. All right. Good stuff as always here on the GM Shuffle. By the way, just one thought here, Mike, on Clayton Kershaw. I mean, these numbers are crazy. Just think about this. Clayton Kershaw in his career after the sixth inning, regular season 2.33 ERA in the postseason, 12.27. That's the highest all-time in a minimum of 10 innings. He is one of the greatest regular wow. season pitchers ever. But last night, the Dodgers choke it up, and he gives up two home runs in relief. That was stunning to me. Yeah, it was really unbelievable. I mean, now, who do you like now? Give me your predictions of what's going to move forward. The, will the Astros beat the Rays tonight? I got the Astros beating the Rays because Garrett Cole is a stud. And then I got Astros-Yankees, which everybody's been predicting the ALCS. But I don't think anybody, Mike, had the Nationals actually now in the NLCS. So I'm going to ride Washington. I like the Nationals over the Cardinals. They got a little mojo. How about the irony? Bryce Harper gone and the Nationals finally yeah. win a playoff series. It's crazy. It all goes to the point where teams win, players don't. It's about how we play together as a team, not how we play as an individual. I love that. I love the fact that the national. I'm rooting for the. I'm a national fan because it supports everything that I believe in in terms of building teams. Yeah, well said. As always, thank you so much for checking out the GM Shuffle. Subscribe, rate, and review. Tell all your friends. Go to Apple Podcasts. Michael and I will be back on Sunday. Hopefully, with some more Minshew mania to chew on. <laughs>